good day and welcome to Living in the Spirit in a Little Way, a podcast about striving to live every day by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Please join us with our host, Kerry McMasters, as he speaks of the workings of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. Hello, welcome to Living in the Spirit in a Little Way. In this podcast, I'd like to introduce a very good friend of mine, Allison Jingris. And Allison is going to speak about entering into Advent through the eyes of Mary. Allison is also a Catholic speaker and writer. And if you want to know more information about Allison or how to contact her to have her speak at your church or with a gathering, you can find her on a website and it's called ReconciledToYou.com. Let's start with a prayer, please. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity this evening to speak, to be your voice tonight in this world. Lord, I ask you to send your Holy Spirit down in a just powerful and real way, Lord. I ask you to touch every heart, every soul, every mind that's here this evening. Lord, open us up to hear the message you have specifically for each and every one of us. Lord, for myself, I ask your blessing that I may get out of your way and let your work and will be done. Amen. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I am a terrible microphone person. I'm just going to put that out there right now. I'll forget sometimes I'm holding it. I may get excitable and scream. It's kind of really, I could use my radio voice in here. It's kind of echoey and loud. Tonight we're going to think about and enter into Advent through the eyes of the Blessed Virgin Mary. When I thought about how Mary was preparing for the birth of Jesus, I'm pretty sure there was no Black Fridays or Cyber Mondays involved. There was no shopping, no... um, There may have been some baking, but there was no card writing, there was no um, decorating of the home, there was no hustle and or bustle. I am pretty sure of that too. What Mary did best and what we can learn from her the best is that she prepared her heart, her heart for the birth of Jesus. And that's what we all need to do in this time of Advent, is open up and prepare our hearts for the coming of Jesus for the birth of our Lord and Savior. I had the pleasure of um, seeing Mother Olga just a few days ago, and she gave me a blessing, and she said, protect your heart. That is the most important lesson. Protect your heart. Pray for your heart to be pure and safe so that Jesus can live in there. Well, I don't know about you if you've ever met Mother Olga, but she is a walking saint. And if this woman tells me to protect my heart, I am protecting my heart. So I've added that to my prayers. Now, Lord, protect my heart. Help my intentions to be pure, my motives to be pure. Sometimes during Christmas season, which we kind of jump and get confused with the Advent season, Our intentions and and what we want from the season can get very confused with the secular world. 
I want my Christmas dinner to come out good. I want my kids to like their presents. I want my friends to think my Christmas letter was like the best they've ever read, ever. I want everything to be just perfect. Mary knew how to make things just perfect. She opened up her heart. She looked to the Lord and she said, let it be done according to your word. She didn't think about what she wanted. She only wanted what God wanted. If we're able to align our hearts like that to what God wants, regardless of whatever happens. I mean, one year, my poor family had to eat the, um, let's see, how do I put this? Anyone ever seen Christmas Vacation? When they put the fork in the turkey and it goes Yeah, done that. Yeah, so even if my turkey decides to implode itself with little smoke coming out of it, you just throw a lot of gravy on it, and you can eat anything with a lot of gravy on it. You just throw some gravy and you're good to go. If we can learn to align our hearts to God, no matter what our turkey looks like, no matter what our children think of the presents we've gotten, oh, look, Mom, another sweater. Thanks. This is great. Whatever happens, the, the person may be looking forward to seeing and they're not going to be able to make it home for Christmas. Maybe your heart is just really heavy with that. Maybe you've got children who are away from the church and you're so hoping that maybe this Christmas will be the one that they come with you to Mass. And it may not be this one, but don't give up praying on them. When we align ourselves to what God wants for us, then our hearts will be filled with joy and no circumstance can take away that joy. Joy is not to be confused with happiness, but joy is that alignment with God that nothing can take from you. And Mary was just the bomb diggity, really, at figuring out how to get joy into her heart. So we're going to look at some of the scriptures of that Annunciation. I want to look at some of the words that Mary was speaking to, uh, was sp speaking and what was being spoken to her. St. Jerome says, to be ignorant of Scripture is to be ignorant of Christ. We need to spend more time in the Scriptures. Really just ponder, I love how in, in the Scriptures it says, Mary pondered these things in her hearts. How many times do we have time in our life to ponder something in our heart? So tonight we're going to ponder some things in our hearts. The first is the greeting of the angel. Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. That's in this, um, this is the New Living Translation. Sometimes I like the translations that just actually help me understand it, and then I look at other translations. Another way of saying that would be, Hail Mary, full of grace. So there must be something to this grace for Mary to be, through God, full of it. What does grace do? Why do we need grace? And what is so important about it that the angel would use this in his greeting? Grace is, this is the Allison abridged version of what grace is. Grace is the undeserved, freely given gift of God, of himself in you, that helps you to live a holier life, a grace-filled life, this life that helps you to understand things of God better, 
to align your heart with God better. Mary was able to do God's will because she was so filled with grace that she was aligned to what God wanted for her. She was aligned to what God's will was. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life that God has given me that nudge to follow his will, and I've done this. That is a great idea, Lord, but I'm just going to go this way instead because that way looks kind of scary. Three, well, actually, six years ago, God nudged me and said, you're going to go to China, and you're going to adopt a little deaf girl, and she's going to be about three, and it's going to be great. Okay, Lord, let me explain something to you. Before that, the longest trip I've ever had in an airplane was to Florida. That's two hours. China, way more than two hours. 14 hours, 24 hours in flight, in, in travel. I didn't like the two hours to Florida. So I tried to negotiate with God. Anyone here ever negotiate with God? Yeah, it doesn't work. Just in case you haven't tried it, don't, don't, it doesn't work. So I tried to negotiate. Lord, Lord, this would be a great plan. Why don't you send me one of those beautiful little girls from Korea? Then she could fly here on her own, and I could just go to the airport and pick her up. That works for me. And he said, hmm, it's not the plan. You're going to get on an airplane, and you're going to go all the way to China, and you're going to bring her home. Okay. You see the difference already about me and Mary? Now, what did Mary say when the angel said, you're going to give birth to God's son? She said, how is that to be? I know not man. Now, she wasn't saying, I doubt you can do this. She was just kind of clarifying the plan. Like, okay, I'm in, but just, you know, I kind of made this promise to God, and I'd like to know how you're going to work this out. No, me, I was like, no, your plan doesn't really work for me. Let me tell you how we should do it better. Anyone ever got a better plan than God's? Oh, come on. If, if none of you go, yes, then you need to get in that confessional. <laughs> we all think we have a better plan. I'm a control freak. I want to know exactly how this is going to go. Like, if it's just a drive into Logan Airport to pick up this child, I have a pretty good idea how this plan is going to go and I'm in. I mean, Massachusetts drivers are kind of crazy, but it's got to be easier than going to a communist country. Just saying. But God said, no, that doesn't rely on me. That's not trusting in the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your might. That's not trusting. That's you being God. And he reminds me often, I'm not. My plans for you, he says in his scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, the plans to prosper you, prosper you, and not to harm you. <sighs> See, the thing about Scripture is it's truth. I can't read it and go, oh, look, God promises me this, and then go, well, but I doubt it. No, God's promises are true. If the Scripture says, I know my plans for you, and they're not to harm you, then they're not to harm me. They're to bring me closer to him, to sanctify me. God's ultimate goal for each and every one of us is for us to be in heaven with him forever. And every single thing he allows in this world, whether we like it or not, whether it seems completely against any sense of right, he allows because of his love for us. He doesn't 
bring evil. He doesn't bring bad. He doesn't bring fear and violence. But because of our fallen nature, he allows it. But in Romans 8.28, he promises that he will bring good to all who love him from every situation that's out there, from everything that comes, he will bring good of it. And that good is to get you into heaven with him, to sanctify your soul, to bring you everlasting life in heaven, a place that we're told we couldn't even begin to fathom what it's like. Our human brains don't even have the capacity to understand what heaven is like, not even a minuscule amount of what heaven is like. And God says, my dream for you is for you to be there with me. And along the path, there's some things you're going to have to accept or, as Mary did, embrace. She embraced God's plan. Let it be done to me according to your will. Actually, to your word, excuse me. And in this version, they say, I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true. Let it be done. How many of you are during this Advent season are willing to take a leap of faith to open up your hearts in a way you've never opened them before and say, Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. Let your promises be made true in my heart. Fast, well, going back to my story about my daughter. God gave me so many consolations and assurances along the way that it would be okay, that this would be, this was truly his plan. I remember we decided to adopt, and we were, you know, in, in mass, and it was the day before we were going to sign all the papers, and I was scared to death. I thought, okay, the trip aside, Lord, you've seen my bank account. I don't know how you're going to make this happen, but certainly it's going to take an act of you to make this come true. And I stood there in the pews going, Kind of like that moment with Mary saying, okay, I, I believe this is truly the plan. I just need some reassurance. So I said to him, I know I've been a pain, but I just need to know one more time, Lord, are you sure? Are you sure this is what you want for us? And as soon as I finished this prayer in my heart, the deacon from the altar said during the prayer of the faithful, may all the orphans of the world find good homes. I had never heard that before in my life. I have never heard it since. I am 44 years old. That's a whole lot of masses. <laughs> May the, all the orphans of the world find good homes. Okay. That would be a, an assurance. That would be that angel saying, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be given the power. I got it. I'm ready. And then it was time, it was time to go to the trip. And I've been praying to St. Therese, the little flower, for her intercession. I asked two things. I asked that we be safe, and I asked that we be healthy. I, re I finished the prayer the last day of the novena. I went downstairs, opened up my email, and there was the message. 
and it was from this friend, that, a very random friend that I hadn't seen in very long, and her email address was mv underscore rose. If you don't know about St. Therese, she leaves you roses when you've, when you've asked her for prayer and for intercession. So it said, it just rose, and then all that message said, all it said was, will do. So this is encouraging, yay. I get to go to China, I'm so excited. Not really, but I was open to it. We were supposed to leave, this was um, September. We were supposed to leave, and we get a call about an hour after getting this message that said, we'll do, and, the mess, and it was the uh, adoption agency, and they said, we're sorry, but we have to postpone your trip for a month. I'd already been waiting five months to get my daughter. They sent her picture to me in April 28th, 2009. This was September 28th. And they said, you have to wait another month. I thought my heart was going to break in a million pieces. I said, Lord, you sent me email. You promised me I was going, that I was going to be safe and healthy. And he said, no, 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 no. I said, you'd be safe and healthy. I didn't say you'd be going yet. I really rely, I had to rely on the fact that God loved me and that he'd call me to this. And what he calls you to, he will fulfill in you. When it was time to finally go, I had learned that if we had gone on September 28th when I had my originally been planned to go, we would have been quarantined in China because swine flu had hit. And anyone going into the country was thrown into, most people from America were thrown into hotels for two, three, four weeks at a time. If I had done it according to my plan, because I started to kind of get frantic make phone calls. Can I stay here? Can I do this? Can I do that? Trying to skip God's plan. Kind of like Sarah and Abraham, and we know that didn't work out really good. Another reason to know scripture is not to, to allow ourselves to make the same mistakes as the people before us. Sarah did not believe that God could do what he said he would do and give her a child, and he tried, she tried to make the plan go according to her word. I was doing the same thing, but then something just grabbed my heart and said, no, God loves you. Trust him in this. And so I stepped away and I said, all right, Lord, let it be done according to your word. Give me the grace to accept whatever's going to happen. That is not easy. That comes from many, 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 many hours of adoration, prayer, rosaries, divine mercies, you want to grow in your faith, you need to live your faith. You need to practice your faith. You need to spend time with Jesus, especially in the Blessed Sacrament, in adoration, putting yourself there with him. You're in heaven with him, and there you can hear him clearer than anywhere else. So I went to adoration, and I poured my heart out, and I said, okay, I trust you, Lord. You've brought me this far. I'd be ridiculous to walk away now and not believe that you're going to do what you're going to do. October 29th, we get on our plane, finally. I had done the novena again to St. Therese. And the pilot gets, across, gets on the air um, over the intercom. And he says, welcome aboard airline US Airs, or whatever it was. This is your pilot speaking, Captain Rose. OK, Lord. <laughs> Wow. So we didn't crash. 
I think that's probably evident from the fact I'm standing here right now. My daughter did come home with us. She didn't like me at first, and if you know anything about adoption, <laughs> yeah, God's funny. I don't know anything about adoption, but often when a child, especially an older child, is um, kind of put into the situation of a new family, she will reject one parent and love the other. It's kind of like overwhelming to try to like love everybody at once, so you kind of just take it bit by bit. So we get to China. I've waited six months, actually three years and six months for this moment. And she just absolutely despises me. Despises me. I said, okay. Didn't sign up for this. Once again, Lord, I am perplexed, but I have faith in you. I trust in you. She loved my husband, which my husband later told me was perfect. Because if she had rejected him, he said, I would have just gone and toward China. He's like, you know, really, you were the one who wanted the girl, because we had two two biological sons. He's like, I would have just taken it as a, oh, well, she's here for you. That's good. I'll go check out China. But in God's infinite wisdom, she loved him to pieces. She disliked me so much that he had to actually leave to go to Walmart in China. Yeah, Walmart in China. He left, he closed the door, and she lost it. She threw up all over me. She cried, and she cried, and she threw up, and I went, oh, you're definitely my kid now. <laughs> and she just, for three weeks, this little girl hated me. And I'd sit in the bathtub with her because we learned that skin-on-skin -skin contacts help you bond. So we'd sit in the bathtub, and she couldn't even look at me. She hated me so much. And I'd put her back to me, and I'd hold her, and I'd pray the Hail Mary. And, oh, did I mention my daughter's deaf? I'm actually doing pretty good. Usually I'm signing half the time I'm talking because I have to sign. I just did it. I signed deaf. So I couldn't talk to my daughter. She couldn't look at me because it would just send her into a fit. So we'd sit in the bathtub, and I would hold her, and I would pray the Hail Mary over and over and over and over again with tears usually streaming down my face. Right before we left China, it was a Sunday, and we couldn't find an open church in China. I know you find that hard to believe. We found a Catholic church behind bars, big, huge bars, barred-up gate. We couldn't get to it. But I had brought with me a Magnificat, and I said, to God had sent us some beautiful Catholic friends for the trip. We met on the trip, I should say. And I said, you know what, Libby, this would be beautiful if we could just go to one of our rooms and let's do mass together. We'll take turns doing the readings. And then it got time to do the homily. And I said, why don't we all take turns sharing where we've seen God on this trip? Because at this point, we'd all been together for almost two weeks. We're almost done time to go. Well, my daughter was sitting next to me in her stroller. We strapped her in while we did mass. She had no language, so even though I was signing, she didn't really understand what I was saying yet. She doesn't read lips. She hears absolutely nothing. And so it's time for me to share. And just that morning in the shower, I was just kind of pouring my heart up to God. Sometimes it's the only quiet place I get. Anyone? Yeah, it's in that bathroom. And so I was pouring my heart out to God, saying, you know what, Lord, this is so hard. I wanted her so badly, and she hates my guts. But Lord, I just, I just trust you in this. And I was struck with the fact that I had been away from the church for so long. And he had waited so patiently for me to come back to the church. Just, he just kept loving me. He kept giving me blessings. He never turned his back on me. And that morning I had decided that 
even if it took my daughter for the rest of her life to like me, I was going to just love her to pieces. I'd give her everything she needed. I'd bestow every blessing that I had a mother upon, um, as a mother upon her, and I would just wait patiently for her to love me back, just like God had waited for me to come back to the church. And I was well into my 30s before I actually made that turn. So I was sharing this story, and I said, if it takes my daughter's whole life to reach out and love me, then I'm okay with that. And with those words, this deaf child reached out her arms to me. Okay, she just wanted to get out of the seat, but <laughs> I took it as a sign. I was ready for it. So we got home, and it was, we went home for about a week, and my husband was getting ready to leave for work, and he was panicked. He goes, I don't I know what we're gonna do. She can't be without, you know, every time she looks at you, she screams. I said, God's gonna work this out. I was a daycare provider for many, many years. I said, I've had a lot of kids standing at the door, screaming and yelling for mommy and daddy, pounding on it, I'm fine. I trust in God's plan 100%. So we're sitting there that night and we're talking about this and we're kind of, he's, he's you know, really getting upset. And my 10-year-old son at the time came over and sat on my lap and he cuddled up. And we were just like, you know what? Let's just pray and let God just do his thing because we can't question him. I know he loves me. I know he has a plan, and he's faithful to all he's done so far. My son's lying there, and all of a sudden my daughter sits up on her father's lap. She shoots her eyes across the room at me. Head does a little tilt. She scrambles off daddy's lap, flies across the living room, literally pushes her brother off my lap and jumps up on here, puts her head on my lap, and and just like looked at me. I'm like, I think she likes me. <laughs> Yay. To this day, three years later, her and I are the bestest friends. She likes me better than anyone in the world. We, we, she's learning sign language, we laugh. And it's just such a lesson in God's plan. Like it didn't seem like it made any sense at the time. Like Mary standing there with the angel going, I have no idea how he's going to do this, but just let me know, and I'm in. And even if the angel hadn't let Mary know exactly what was going to happen, she was still in because she understood the love that God had for her, full of grace. That grace is so important to each and every one of us to grow in our relationship with God. And where do we get that grace? We get that grace through prayer. We get that grace through the sacraments, through participating fully in the sacraments. One of my favorite sacraments, and I wasn't kidding when I said this, is reconciliation. Reconciliation is the sacrament of healing. How many of us need healing somewhere in our life? How many places can we find healing? My heart was broken when my daughter didn't love me. My heart was broken when I was told I wasn't going to even get to see her after waiting so long. I could have been very angry. There have been other things in my life that have broken my heart. And I could become a very bitter and lost person, but instead I turned to the sacrament of reconciliation. I brought all this brokenness with me to Jesus' feet, and I laid it there. And he heals you. Like, I used to think that confession was truly like this get-out-of-hell-free card. Like, if I went to confession and I was hit by a bus on the way out of the parking lot from church, I was going right to heaven. I, 
I thought that was it. You know, I just had to, to go and, and make sure I was clean, to get kind of like get stamped. And the more I learned about reconciliation, the more I realized, oh my gosh, it's so much more than that. It's taking away, but God doesn't leave you empty. When he takes that sin, when he takes that shame, when he takes that fear and that anger and that hurt, when he takes it all, he fills you with love and grace and hope and mercy. He doesn't just take and say, you're clean, go. He says, wait, I have a gift for you. And we're all preparing right now for gifts. We're shopping, we're making, we're baking. I didn't mean to rhyme. Sometimes it happens. We're working really hard to prepare ourselves for this coming holiday. But the greatest gift that we have, the greatest gift that we have is Jesus Christ. And how many of us are unwrapping him fully? When I give this talk to teenagers, when I talk about reconciliation, I always take, tell them this analogy about a gift. I think everybody can relate to either purchasing or receiving a gift. Think of somebody in your life right now that you know there's something they could really use. Maybe it's material, maybe it's immaterial. Think about what they could use that you know is going to bring them peace and hope and happiness and just every blessing you can think of. And you can, maybe you're able to actually purchase it. And you go out and you purchase this and you put it in a box. You put your favorite ribbon on it. Just make it as pretty as you can. And you rush to give it to them. And you're so excited. You cannot wait for them to get this because you know how much it's going to help them. How it's going to transform their life. And you bring it before them. And they just stare at it. Can you imagine them just staring at it? And maybe one of them would say to you, well, that's really nice of you, but I'm kind of afraid of your gift. I'm afraid that when I open this gift, I'm going to have to change. I'm afraid that whatever's in this gift is going to make me see myself in a different way, and it's going to make me change, and I'm too afraid to change. So instead of facing what's in here, no matter how good this is, I'm going to leave it unopened because I'm too afraid of it. Or maybe they look at it and they go, that's so cool. Thank you. You know, dude, you rock, but I don't really need anything right now. I'm good. I can handle this on my own. I don't need what's in that box. I don't know which reaction is worse. Fear or arrogance to think that we don't need the gifts that God has for us. When it comes to reconciliation, so many people think that they can just bring their their sins to God, you know, I can walk the beach and I can tell them I'm sorry. Absolutely. And every single night before we go to sleep, we should remember what we've done during this day. We should do examination of conscience. We should turn to God and say, where have I failed you? And where have I failed to notice that I've failed you? Every single day we should do an examination of conscience. But here's the gift. He doesn't give us the sacrament of reconciliation for him. He gives it to us for us. Yes, you can say you're sorry, and God can fill your heart with grace. But here's the gift. You get to sit there and hear the priest, in persona Christi, in the person of Christ, saying to you, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. How many of you are not forgiving yourself for something? And to be able to hear those words, you are forgiven. 
What a gift, what a beautiful gift. And then you truly are forgiven. He takes it away. He doesn't keep a scorecard. He doesn't hold on to it. He gives you the grace to move forward from it. Whatever it is that you have, and people say, I don't want to go to confession because I'm just going to do it again. Yeah, God knows that. But you'll have an extra grace to help you to avoid doing it again. You have this grace that helps you to heal the hurt from it. And maybe you won't go so far this time, or maybe you won't go back. But you'll never know if you don't open that gift, if you don't take advantage of the faith that God has given you. As Catholics, we are blessed beyond measure that we have a faith that gives us opportunity after opportunity to receive grace. Every time you receive the Eucharist, every time you kneel before the Blessed Sacrament, you are receiving grace that changes you from the inside out. You're never the same person once you've had an encounter with Jesus Christ. You cannot be the same person once you've had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And every single time you have this encounter with Jesus Christ, you are a different person. You are closer to him. You are that much wiser in who God is and how much he loves you. In this Advent season, even with just a few days left of it, open your heart to receive the gifts that God has for you. Open your heart to the will of God in your life. Let it be done to you according to his word. His plans may make no sense. You may hit roadblocks. They might be painful. But know that his true, he's true, he's faithful, he's loving, he's mercy himself, and he's always with you. When you let go and open your heart to God, you will never be the same person again. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Jesus.